0: How many of you don't have enough money? How many of you have too much money? George, I'm impressed. Maybe you can get together with some of these other people and work some stuff out. It's interesting, even when I ask that question, the internal process that we go through, right? Do I have enough money? Do I have too much money. It's, it's interesting, especially when we think about the story of money and how's it, how it's showed itself over the course of our lives, right? I mean, if you think about kids, how many of you have kids that when they've received like uh, a birthday card, maybe from grandma or grandpa with uh, some a dollar bill or a couple bucks or depending on how cheap or how generous your grandparents are, maybe you got a 20 or something like that, If when they open, they're like, I'm rich, I'm rich. Has anyone ever had that with with their kids? I've had that in my home. My kids like open up the card and they're like, I'm rich, I'm rich. And I'm like, good, $20. I'll remember that later on when you're a teenager and you're asking me for more money. But uh, from a kid, we're already starting to sort of figure out what, what the story of money is. And then we start to hear some of the world's messages about it, right? Because the world tells us something about money. Case in point, Las Vegas last night. Mayweather, what's the other guy's name? McGregor. Mayweather and McGregor. Floyd Mayweather, a boxer, uh, um, Conor McGregor, a UFC fighter. They got in the ring with each other. They figure, they're not sure, Floyd Mayweather for, I guess it was probably about 30 minutes of work last night, made about $200 million. $200 million. And Conor McGregor, in losing, made $100 million. So this whole idea of losers are, you know, that that if you come in second place, that you're just the first loser, I don't think Conor thinks that today. We hear this idea of money being this thing that we need to go after and grab. But then, if we spend any time in church, and if we spend any time, especially with the New Testament, we get another series of messages about scriptures. Let me, let me look, at you, look with you really quickly at a couple of scriptures. First of all, we see First Timothy 6 verse 10. First Timothy 6 verse 10, does anybody know it? I'll give you a little prompt. Money is the root of all evil. Actually, all kinds of evil. What? The lo- You're right. The love of money. Thank you, theological policeman. I appreciate it. The love of money is the root of all evil. Correct. I had it, I had it shortened here. We'll have a discussion about that in the office this week. Matthew 19 verse 21 says this. If you want to be perfect, what do you do? Anyone? Sell everything that you have and give to the poor. And then Matthew 6 has this one phrase. You cannot serve both God and mammon or money. So we hear those messages. But then we got Job. Who's Job? Old Testament guy. Someone who's pretty close with God, wouldn't we say? He's actually so close with God that Satan comes into the presence of God and asks specifically about Job and if he can make life's, Job's life miserable. Before Job's life is miserable, was he a poor man or a wealthy man? He was a very wealthy man. In fact, if you look at him, he is like a Bill Gates of his day. But then he goes through this whole time of suffering, a whole bunch of challenges, a whole bunch of burdens, a whole lot of pain. But then God redeems it, right? God shows up again. And what does he do for Job financially? Does he give him just enough? He doubles it up. So imagine all of a sudden Bill Gates, who's a multi-billionaire, gets a multi-multi-billionaire. You also have this. You have stories from the book of Acts, Acts 4.34. In Acts 4.34, you hear an important part of the early church is that they would share everything together, what they had. But how did that happen? People who were wealthy would go and do what? They would sell a field. They would sell a field so that they could share. So wealth in itself, money in itself, especially as we study all of Scripture, is not an evil. We come back certainly to that 1 Timothy passage that Nick corrected me on, rightfully so, because it's important, the love of money being the root of all evil. So how are we supposed to think about all this in light of the book of Proverbs, where we study now? If you've read the book of Proverbs... You know, there certainly are Proverbs about money. But if you're looking for this common theme that money in the First Timothy sort of mindset is this evil thing and and the thing to be avoided, I have news for you. Proverbs actually doesn't really teach that at all. In fact, it teaches a lot of things that seem that maybe we need to think differently about money. I want to walk with you this morning, moving through different Proverbs and different ideas about money, trying to come to a place that we can understand more deeply, what is God's calling? I have, you have, every person in this room has money. You have some, or you have a lot, or you have a little, but you have it. And if you have it, what is God's calling on? Let's begin by doing this. Proverbs 8 10 to 11. Turn in your Bibles there. If you read there, you'll read this. Sorry, i got to get my glasses on. I'm still figuring this all out. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So what we're hearing here from the beginning is that if you are thinking about money as a primary focus of things, and how many of us don't think that at some level, that that money is something we need to worry about? Let me just ask that question. How many of you worry about money daily? Honestly, how many of you worry about money on a weekly basis? Let's change it to a monthly basis. Certainly, there's some of us at different times who have this concern about money. What this word is saying to us in Proverbs chapter 8 is that it's not the primary focus because the primary focus, as the word says it, is wisdom. For us to pursue wisdom. But think about what that looks like. Think about in your life what pursuing wisdom instead of money is. What does it mean that we change? It means that maybe we change some of the things that we do with our money. That instead of us purchasing things, we purchase things that lead more deeply to wisdom. Or we invest in things That won't lead more deeply to wisdom. And what sort of things lead us to wisdom? Well, God's Word has some stuff to say about that. We're going to explore that together. Okay, so money is not the primary thing. Does that mean that we just sit back and not worry about it? Well, turn in your Bibles to Proverbs 6. It's just a couple pages back. Verses 10 and 11 there. What does it say there? It says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief, and scarcity like an armed man. Now, this is interesting, because what are we hearing here about laziness? Is laziness a bad thing? What does God's word say? Is laziness a bad thing? Okay, so since laziness leads to poverty... That means there's this negative that leads this way. What's the corollary? The corollary means that we need to be about working. In fact, it says in other translations, working hard leads to prosperity. We we have then. So is the pursuit of prosperity on some levels a good? Is it? Is it good? We understand it to be a good. So if somebody says to you that if you're just working, if you're working hard, it's like you're pursuing this money, that that you're trying to grab onto the good of working hard so that you're not poor, a lazy person would be, but then how do we do that, right? So to work hard to pursue prosperity is a good and we know that the greatest good is to pursue wisdom, okay? So start with wisdom, and then we work hard, and then we see what's next. Proverbs 1, verse 19. I'm sorry, i got to jump all around here and jump around in my ideas. We'll see it all come together at the end for sure. Proverbs 1, says this. Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain. That's the translation in my text. I have, I have an NIV translation. That actually ill-gotten gotten gain could be changed to greed. Okay? Such are the paths of all who go after ill-gotten gain or greed. It takes away the life of those who get it. Okay? So... Wisdom is the primary pursuit, but working hard is good. What should we avoid as we work hard? Greed. The goal of being prosperous is the problem. That's important for us to understand. When you have gifts, abilities, and talents... When you have opportunities to serve God with what he has given you, if your ultimate purpose is, I have these gifts, I can use them, and as a result of using them, I can gain wealth, you've missed it. If, if that's your focus, if your focus is instead, and I very much appreciate what Pastor Nick said last week, if your primary focus is instead pursuing God's calling with your time, that's the hard work. That's the stuff that you and I focus on. And I I look around this room, and I see people who live that. I think of Roger Borson. Roger just retired from teaching after a very, very long time teaching. I think he taught for 180 years. It was a long time. But I know that Roger didn't pursue teaching to make a lot of money. Because you don't become a Christian school teacher if you want to make a lot of money. Carolyn is shaking her head. Oh, no. That's not what happens. He did it because God gave him a call. God be praised for that, Roger. God be praised for that. I see some folks out there in the medical field. they're nurses or the therapists, or they're people involved in different levels of, of medicine, and they feel the calling of God, not in order to get wealthy. But the challenge is that as we grow, as we pursue things, right? As we pursue the calling, the job, the different employment that we have. I was, even, I was even talking to someone recently who said, I couldn't change jobs and make the money that I do now. They have a calling, but one of the burdens for them not to pursue the calling in a different way is The fact that they would not make as much money. Now, I can't answer it for that person. But the fact that money becomes part of what shapes our calling, we can have questions there. We can wonder. You know, I'll I'll be honest, I, I see pastors in that place too. I see people who pursue ministry. And there are some who, like me, realize this is not a get-rich-kick-quick scheme. It's not. But there are others who think it is, who will tell people, in order for you to experience more of God's blessing, you need to give more money. And here's your mailing address, right? That's not the point. The point is that God has given us all a calling. He has given you work. We're going to talk about that next week. What is it in that calling that allows you to serve God? And if that calling and you fulfilling that calling in the hard work leads to prosperity, God be praised. But be careful because greed is a nefarious, nefarious thing and it can consume you. In fact, we're going to hear a word about greed in a moment. Jump into point D. Let's move to Proverbs 3, verse 5. Okay? I don't want to talk about Bieber or Mayweather anymore. I'm going to talk about something else. It says this. In fact, a lot of you can probably quote it. Those of you who might have graduated from Christian high schools, this might be your theme verse for your class. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. What does that have to do with money? All. See that word, all. It happens there more than a couple times. It says this trust in the Lord with all your heart. If all of your heart is trusting in the Lord, is there any room for greed? That's important. And I believe oftentimes, I'm not going to say it for you, I'm going to say it for me, that my faith life is hindered because of my inability to trust God because I want more, more money, more things, more comfort, more experiences, And God is saying to me, no, give all of your heart to me. Don't lean on what you think. I will give it to you. Trust in me. Don't allow yourself to be consumed by anything like greed. God wants us to put, God wants us to trust Christ that everything that we need is in Christ. Do you believe that? Does everything that you have or everything that you need in Christ, do you believe that? Put your hand up if you believe that. If you believe it, then why do we worry so much about money? Right? If everything you need is in Christ, you need, I need life, right? That's a good thing. I need hope. I need a future. I need a purpose. I need, I need a, a people who can love and support me. How do I get those things? Because I can't buy them. Because Christ did. The stock is out. He's bought all of it. And if everything I need is in him, for me to allow that trust, trust in the Lord with what all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I gotta st- I'm just saying this. If I do this, someone like motion. Because my wife says it makes me look like my father. And that terrifies me. So, <laughs> all right. I'm not comfortable with that. Even a little bit. I love you, Ray. I know you watch later on today. Proverbs 28, 27. Jump over there. Now we have the movement of money in our lives and what happens when we receive the provision and the blessing of God as we fulfill the calling on our lives. Let's read that there. It says this in verse 27. Those who give to the poor will lack... What does it say? What did did that say? Nothing. Nothing. Hmm, that's interesting. But those who close their eyes to to them receive many... Curses, well, that sounds like a positive. Do you hear that? And here's the thing about giving to the poor, and I, I, this needs to be said. As we look especially at the New Testament, I think specifically at the Beatitudes in the book of Matthew, that God has a special heart for those who are poor and in need. And he loves them in a unique way. He loves all his people, but he loves the poor. And when we hear scripture talk about the poor, as much as it does, we have to hear God's voice telling us how important that is. So for us to be a people who seek out ways to give to the poor. But here's how this gets complex, right? Is it possible that some people who are poor are lazy? Is that possible? It's possible. And what does the scripture say about lazy people? Right? What's the first point there? Or or the second point? That's where this gets challenging. And I hear that. But here's what I also know. God is the one who works that out. God is the one who allows his work to be done in the lives of the poor. He doesn't call me to be the judge and jury of what is good giving to the poor and what is bad giving to the poor. I want to compliment you, okay? I want to compliment you, but I also want to continue to challenge you. One of the neatest things that I saw last week walking into church, besides the fact that I didn't have to preach and I could heckle Nick, that was good. But the second best thing was that there was a big box in actually a series of boxes right in our lobby filled with shoes. Lots of shoes and socks, all right? Because there is a need for people who cannot purchase shoes and socks in our community, and you folks responded, God be praised. That's wonderful. But here's my challenge to you. That's a good thing. You did it, I believe, with a wonderful heart. There continues to be need among the poor in this community. In fact, it's interesting. If you talk to Pastor Nick, because Nick is very passionate about this and engaged in a lot of work in our community, there's much discussion in our community about the poor and the homeless and how we do that best. Now, if we read scripture and we listen to scripture, is it important for us as followers of Jesus to be a part of that conversation? Is it? Let me read that passage again. Those who give to the poor will lack nothing. But those who close their eyes to them receive many curses. We need to be engaged in that process. And yes, it's a hard one. It's funny. I've been having a number of conversations about issues like this. And what I understand so very quickly is these things are complex. But here's what I know. I know I look out and see a lot of people who have been given much. Much. And if you and I have been given much by the God of grace who has given us everything we need in Jesus Christ, you put up your hand and you said you believe it, then what it is that you give, do you really need? Do you have to keep it for yourself? Do you need to make sure that you have the big retirement fund? Do you need to make sure that you have the investment accounts? Do you need to make sure that you have the big cushion? If God says to us that you have everything you need in Jesus Christ and you will lack nothing if you give to the poor, then can we be more generous? Can we? Again, I'm looking in the mirror here, folks. I got my own issues with money, believe you me. But I know that my heart can be more generous because it has to be. If God is at work transforming my heart, then I have to be more generous. Let's move on to Proverbs 3, verse 9. Here's what it says there. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crop. Now, here's what's interesting. Proverbs are what we call tenets of wisdom. means they give you little wisdom things. They say, oh, if you do this, then this might happen. Or it gives you a description of a person and tells you the results of things in a person's life. This particular proverb isn't like that. Does anybody, can anybody guess what, uh, and we'll call, um, uh, what structure, what, what type of sentence is honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops? What kind of sentence is that? It's an imperative. Thank you, English professor. Very much appreciated. What is an imperative? It's a command, folks. It's a command. How many of you want to follow God's commands? Then hear one. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all of your crops. That's a command. It means that when you and I think about money, we think about money, first of all, not with greedy eyes. We think about money in terms of the result of us fulfilling God's calling, but it's not the first thing that we pursue because we have wisdom that we're called to pursue. We need to avoid greed. We also think that with God's provision in our lives, we need to trust him with it and not hold on to it too tightly. We need to have it with loose hands so we can be generous to others. We can be generous to them in a way that blesses them and blesses our hearts and let him sort it out and not be focused on it. And if we do that, then we fulfill the imperative. Then we fulfill the command then we're doing what it is that God calls us to do. If you want to fulfill God's command for your life when it comes to finances, work through this. Understand it more. Final proverb and what it teaches, Proverbs 11, verse four. We have this there from God's word. It says this. Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath. Wrath. But righteousness delivers from death. I remember hearing it for the first time, and it me, struck me very powerfully, that you cannot put a U-haul behind a hearse. Right? How many of you heard that for the first time?, oh, that brings me joy. <laughs> you can't put a U-haul behind a hearse. You go to that place up on hillside over there. The casket goes in the ground. You have no need for your Fitbit. Right? You have no need for your iPhone. You have no need for the car that you spend a lot of time and energy and talent on. You have no need, because you're probably not remembering that trip to France. You have no need for the investments in your account. You have no need for that incredibly beautiful house that you built. But you do need Jesus. Because that grave without Jesus, that's permanent. That grave with Jesus, that's a different story. And for us to then understand with all of our lives how we honor God, if we're going to fulfill that command, well, the first thing is as we pursue his wisdom. The second thing is is that we understand he's given us a calling, and that calling, if we work hard at it, can lead to prosperity. But as we go towards prosperity, we need to be careful because greed is an evil thing that will consume us. Instead, we need to trust God with everything that we have. Everything that we have is from him. And if it's from him and he's given us everything that we need, we can hold on to it loosely. We can give to others and be generous to them in such a way that they experience the blessing of God's people who love God more than money. And in doing that, we honor him. And when that day comes, because not because we figured out money, that's only a part of it. The, the full and complete story is that we know the grace of Jesus Christ and it gives us gratitude to be able to do this. Then at the end of the story, when the casket is in the ground in Hillsdale, that's just the doorway. It's not the end. I put on the bottom of your outline a passage that you may wonder why it's connected, but I do want you to turn there. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3, if you would turn there. For some reason, um, I was listening, uh, I heard a song this week, actually, that had that passage in it, and it powerfully impacted me and how I even thought about this, and how I, how I think about all things, but certainly how I think about money. If we read the scriptures there, they say this, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. Those of you who have gotten married anytime recently probably remember some of this passage, but I want to read the first three verses. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. Now listen to this. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may not boast, but to not have love, I gain nothing. It's interesting, we just talked about the importance of giving to the poor. For us to understand that even if we get money right, for us to do well, for us to be generous, for us to honor honor God as much as we can with our money. But if we do not have the love of Jesus in our lives, it's a banging gong, a clashing symbol, and it means nothing. If you have a lot of money and you have not love, you have nothing. If you have a little money and you have not the love of Jesus, you have nothing. Ergo, you and I need Jesus most of all. That's what we need. He's given us everything. And if he is given us everything, everything we have is then for us to give back to him. That's our heart. Remember I said we were talking about heart? That's the heart of money. Love. If we begin with that, we start in a good place. Let's pray together. Father, With our hearts and our minds, may we love, may we first of all love you, love Jesus. Love what he has done for us. Understand that what he has done for us is everything, and everything else becomes decoration. Lord, may we begin with that love. And as we begin with that love, Lord, and we allow that love to be something that consumes everything of us, all of our hearts, there's no room for greed. Lord, we don't want greed. We don't want to be a part of greed because greed leads to death and we want to be towards the things that lead to life and your heart, a love for you. That's a heart of life. Lord, may we live in that place, trust you with everything that we have. And if we have everything from you, then we can give to others, Lord, with full hearts. We can be generous with our minds. We can be generous with our our, our words. We can be generous with our time. And we can be generous with our money. Because we can trust, Lord, that since you love the poor, you will give to them what it is that they need. You'll just use us to do it. Lord, may we honor you with all that, give glory to you with all of that, and truly love you with all of that. We pray these things in Christ. Amen.